0: episode 76 of the metro fan tv uh, semi weekly rundown i think it's monthly i think it's bi-monthly at this point i'm not really sure but we don't but we removed the uh, we removed the time passage from the uh, episode title a long time ago anyway but in any case this is shot number 2 at trying to uh, record this episode yes unfortunately technical errors uh, got in the way of uh, this be going out a couple weeks ago, and now we are trying again. A glitch in the system, shall we say? And I think uh, on that note, it's a topic that will probably be at the forefront of everybody's minds, uh, considering what's been transpiring so far this season. But before we get into that, of course, uh, next to me as always is Mr. Juan Escalante. How are you
1: today? Doing well, Lens. I had. I just had dinner. I had. I had the greatest meal known to mankind, which was rice with an egg on it rice with an egg on it <laughs> well, can't go wrong <laughs> zero notes
0: i I, I, was, I was gonna be like uh kind of sounds like omurice, rice, but uh not even oh, not, <laughs> not even not even I'm guessing
1: <laughs> uh no, but it it was Tamagoyaki yaki on rice so okay i mean
0: that's that's close enough though it's close yeah. enough uh what is it rather rather spartan but it does the job right it, it really does matters. the
1: job man
0: uh, well you know what doesn't do the job Ooh. Gerhard trooper and his New York Red <laughs> <Web> Bulls <laughs> but uh <laughs> I, but uh yeah i mean uh <laughs> Kind of a roundabout way of saying that it's been it's been it's been it's been kind of shite, right? I mean, uh, it goes without saying that I think uh, it's we're shit, and we kind of know who we are at this point. And yeah. uh, six games into the season, I think we find ourselves like uh, what is it? I think in twelfth place, if I'm not mistaken, the Eastern Conference. I mean, in a in a MLS, right? where nine teams from each division potentially make the playoffs. We find ourselves in danger of not making it six games into the season. And of course, I mean, it's only six games into the season, but, um, you know, I mean, just based on the average level of uh, the performances that we've put out, you know, I mean, it's not been promising at all now, has it, right? I mean, I think... um, um, it, it's actually kind of almost astounding at this point at how I think, uh, the games almost seem to follow like a baseline or a certain, you know, there's a certain flow to the game, right? in every single one that we played so far this season, like, um, may vaguely promising the first 10 or 15 minutes when the energy's up and, uh, you know guys are willing to run, but slowly it peters out. Space opens up in the midfield, and then uh, from there, even though uh, we looked busy in individual pressing moments early on in the game, um, the play gets increasingly sloppy. Right, we kind of lump the ball forward without a purpose or an intent, and we are, and then slowly the opposition either kind of wisens up, they pull the back line back. Uh, To kind of frustrate us and force us to, uh, you know, force us to play a more possession oriented game, which we obviously kind of suck at, at this point. And uh, it's either that or they feel like they're comfortable moving, moving the ball through our midfield, right? Um, mm-hmm. that's sort of been the brush strokes that I've observed, I think, from the opening six games, but I think it was especially amplified by, you know, the, the, this last game against Atlanta, right? I mean, I think, um, in this case, I think, uh, we didn't even have the bright start, right? Because I think early goalkeeper error kind of, uh, threw a giant wrench into the whole thing and we just kind of huffed and puffed for the rest of the game. And even then, you know, I mean, like, uh, it was pretty astounding in the second half, like, once all the substitutions are made, and how easily they were just kind of carving open our back line, right? Uh, and that should also kind of alarm people, because I think at that point, Reyes had been subbed out, because Cal Duncan decided to give him a, uh, I don't know, it was like something out of Fist at the North Star or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> just karate chopped him in the neck or whatever.
0: Exactly, <laughs> you gave him the old Omaya wa mo treatment, <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, I think uh, that's kind of, it kind of doesn't bode well on both sides of the ball, right? You 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 miss one of your standout center backs from the season, the back line suddenly becomes a lot more open, right? And even before that, you know, I mean, Atlanta having basically no problem passing the ball through our midfield, right? The press isn't really the buzzsaw that it was in the middle of the pitch. Uh, Not really coming as advertised uh, as, uh, you know, as Gerhard Schubert comes advertised of trying to compress that middle center of the pitch and making it difficult for teams to progress the ball through the middle, right? I mean, I think uh, the amount of quick switches, the amount of flank switches that Atlanta were finding with uh, basically ease, you know, just carving open that back line. Could have easily been two or three goals. Right by the end of the game. I mean, I, if I'm being quite frank with you. One, the one line, the one nil score line is ultimately kind of flattering
1: to us. <laughs> Maybe I think so. I was actually, I actually went to the game, I was in Atlanta, yeah, uh, for this one. And uh, honestly, I wasn't so I was not that impressed by Atlanta, although it easily could have been like two or three nil by the end of the game. And Atlanta just like missing pretty easy shots. Uh, but it was yeah, it was less of like Atlanta's like I think a, a more clinical team than Atlanta would have really would have really killed us in that game. I don't think like I just don't. It just felt like what's his name Tiago Almada. He won a World Cup and now he's just angling for a move to a big Saudi club. I it just it feels like every time <laughs> watching him play now, it's just like congrats, you're gonna go to Al Nasser and serve up easy through balls to. Cristiano. The Portugueseer, God, who cares? <laughs> just like he's, I don't know, man. It's it's a weird vibe. other way, it's weirdly quiet for like a stadium that gets props for its atmosphere. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think going into this game, it just feels like anytime the New York Red Bulls produce anything resembling a shot on target at this point, or an or a chance, it feels like it's counterintuitive to whatever. It is that Gerhard Struber is instructing the team to play. We've got we're at this point now where it just it, it feels ugly. Like ugly is one way people have thrown that around about this team, but I think it's more just like unnatural is the way it looks. Like it feels like con. Like it's like players are at times unsure of their own instincts and whether or not they've been trained to not play in a way that that trusts what they would want to do. It's like what we've seen earlier in the season where like guys would just stand on the ball on the wings, waiting for someone to overlap or a guy to run into space. And it's just like, I was saw that, you know, seeing that firsthand, it's just like guys not combining, not just like waiting for guys to do something. And it's, it's, it, it, leads to this lack of production and it leads to this lack of quality chances. And when we do get chances, uh, they're not as clear cut as we would want them to be. They're not, um, they're, you know, it's it's they're it's much more labored to get less. Like we're doing yeah. more to get less at this point. And like yeah. I said, it after the game that like it's like, are we are we not winning games under Gerhard Stuber? No, but at least we're playing the most dire, abysmal soccer ever n- known to man.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the word that we're trying to look for is stunted, basically. Right? I mean, mm. I think uh, it's. <laughs> It's been weird to see like this thing that you've mentioned, right? I mean, I think it seems that guys aren't really focused on following their natural instincts, but rather following a prescribed series of, I suppose, I don't know, a prescribed series of motions. I don't know. I wouldn't really know how else to put it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think um, part of, but to circle back, I think, to uh, the, the, the point that was raised earlier, I mean, absolutely, yeah, I think a more clinical team probably buries a lot of those chances, but it should also kind of alarm people, I think, that teams like Atlanta, which kind of have their own issues in your own right, right? I mean, like, this isn't really, we're not really talking about, like, peak 2018 Atlanta here, right? They have their own issues that teams Uh like that, right, uh, are having no issue, like, dealing with any semblance of pressure that we are putting forward against them, right? Right. I mean, like, it was the same with Orlando, it was the same with Nashville, even at one point, right? I mean, like, those are teams that just kind of didn't have any problems, like, you know, calmly circulating the ball um, Mm -hmm. against us and moving it up through the midfield, you know? I mean, like... uh, it kind of indicates to me, like what we mentioned, right? The press isn't really as suffocating as it used to be. And I think it kind of ties back into this all overall idea, right? Of why we look so stunted in attack and why we don't really seem so, you know, we don't really seem like we are giving opposition defenses, like a lot of, uh, a lot of things to think about, right? Because I think Mm -hmm. the press in itself is quite disjointed, the spacing right. between the players is, I mean, quite frankly, pretty atrocious, and I think um, it has a knock-on effect on the transition play, right? I mean, I think guys are so far away from each other uh, that they can't really do the quick combinations that I think are required uh, to carve open a An attack, and when we Mm -hmm. transition an attack, anyway, you know, I mean, like uh, if there's nobody to combine with, it feels like the instruction specifically is to slow the ball down (laughs) until everybody else pushes up. The backline resets, and then we're basically left there to uh, we're basically left there to do a really piss poor impersonation of a you know tiki taka against the set back line. And it right. feels like guys aren't really allowed to you know move out of their respective zones right i mean uh, they, they, they seem like they have a prescribed area of the pitch that they're supposed to be because I like, suppose in theory they're supposed to be there when we need to counter press against the ball and get an event that we lose possession but as a result of that right like it takes away a lot of the improvisational parts of the attack that can open up space right you know the diagonal right. runs are gone. Uh, the ability to make secondary runs in the space are gone because it seems like the manager specific instructions are to make sure that you do not move out of your zone at any costs, right? Because it's gonna compromise the whole, what, counter-pressing structure. But compromising the whole counter-pressing structure doesn't even really mean anything if the pressing instructions in itself are so rudimentary, right, has been pointed out so many times by so many different people across various accounts. We're not pressing as a unit anymore, right? The back, the, the the lines aren't really pinching in to uh, compress the, the passing lanes while uh, the striker harries the ball, the ball carrier, right. It really seems like it's been man to man pressing, right, without any without any of that cohesive like team wide pressing play, right. That you have been used to be seeing between maybe two thousand fifteen and two thousand eighteen, right, and you know i mean like three years into a project with god knows how many different people have been brought in right we can't keep arriving at the same um you know we can't keep arriving at the same at the at this same old shit right at this point like as far as i'm concerned when it comes to the manager and his ability to get results you, you either shit or you get off the pot right They were three years into this fucking project, and it still looks like... Three years. Yeah, three years, God knows how many marquee attacking players later, and it still looks like dog shit, right? I mean, like, like I, I don't know what the leash has to be for some folks, but we cannot keep running out the same excuses that the manager doesn't have the players that he's looking for when he's had various different windows under two different sporting directors now, right? To get the kinds of players that he wants, and it doesn't seem to me that he knows the kinds of players that he wants for this system because he has no idea what a system should look, look like to begin with, right? I mean, <laughs> that's front to back. I think it's—I don't know. I mean, it's—it's been—it's been—it's been really, really poor. I think I—I I, I don't know what else I can possibly say, but. I feel like that's sort of... I'm just curious
1: of... how... I'm just curious how he would... W- w- what the thinking of Gerhard Struber... Like, I don't know in what world does he think that doing a bad job would help him get a job somewhere else. Yeah, right. And like, then, I don't know what, how he... Like, what, what team does he think is going to hire him based on what he's done here? I don't get it.
0: I mean, like, yeah, and that's exactly it, right? I mean, I think the proof is kind of into putting there that basically no, there's been no rumors circulating around him, right? Maybe there is, were is he's be like, I, I,
1: I I avoided relegation for three seasons. Like, wait a minute. There's no relegation in this league, Gerhard. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> it's like, you see, the team, I guided them to 10th place. Otherwise, they were going to go down to USL. I was like, uh, wait, hold on a second here.
1: <laughs> Just counting that no one knows how US soccer works.
0: Yeah. There's like a... <laughs> It's like, uh, so Gerhard, you're telling me that if you finished in 14th place in the Eastern Conference, the first team would have been playing in MLS next, next season? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, yeah. And, and, and what I was going to say is, I mean, it's, it's kind of telling, right? There were a few rumors, I think, uh, linking him to other jobs and I think, uh, late 2021. Because I suppose he still had a bit of a report at that time, but... They've more or less dried up since, right? Despite the fact that you have this fella going back to Austria like almost every off season and begging someone to come and sign him. You know, it's um it's kind of embarrassing. Oh, no. And then, like, uh, you add on top of that, right, the fact... Then if you even remove all the tactical stuff as well, right, you, you add on to the fact that, like, this guy is melting down against, like, hobbyist journalists asking him about, like, his tactics and all that shit, right? And then he's also constantly throwing the players under the bus because, like, he's always two or three players away from, like, you know, getting his perfect idealized system full of guys who grasp exactly what he's asking them for. You know, like he's basically like trying to do this whole clout thing without actually having the clout to back it up. Right. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, who the fuck are you? Right. Just some random insurance salesman. who used to babysit like a, the Salzburg, like a Red Bull, <laughs> Salzburg equivalent, or Red Bull two, And then just kind of help keep Barnsley up with the, with the help of a 10 point, <laughs> deduction because one of the one of the other clubs in the championship went in the administration
1: right oh my god
0: <laughs> and then like it's
1: like it's like the, it's like well gerhard you failed to beat uh uh charlotte fc or whatever uh what makes you think that you're capable of beating fc Doofenschmerz or whatever the teams in in austria are called
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah, they, all, they all have, like, the most malevolent-sounding-ass names, right? Like, what's this, like, what's L- Lask Linz or whatever? Like, what the fuck? L A S K Linz. I don't know if Sturm Graz is a... Sturm, Sturm Graz, Austrian, I think they are, right?
1: They are, yeah. Yes, Yeah,
0: I mean, that sounds like a fucking, I don't know, Sturm Graz. That sounds like a... Uh... <laughs> A That sounds like, a, like
1: like a World War II tank for a Wehrmacht <laughs> special edition tank. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, I was gonna say it sounded like a fucking uh, Luftwaffe, Luftwaffe. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. <laughs> or like a or like a subunit of the SS. You know, like, like what the fuck? Oh, oh Their logo's black as well. I mean, like that's just kind of yeah, the black and white. I yeah, don't like
1: <laughs> I think there's one team that's like owned by because I think one of the things about Austrian soccer sometimes is that like red, Bull, so like. People talk about like Red Bull Salzburg, whatever. But like a lot of the teams are named after like their corporate sponsor too. Because I'm pretty sure the the Salzburg team was at one point called like Casino Salzburg because they were owned by a casino. There's one team that was I don't know if it still is, but owned by like Swarovski, like the diamond people. Oh wow! That 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 was in their name. Um, I don't know. Should Such a have, weird place. Every game they should just kind of enter it.
0: We're beautiful like diamonds in the sky. Mm, <laughs> Which is oh, like a classic classic uh, soccer stadium song. I think.
1: that's weird because if you think about like if you read the history of Austrian soccer, like Austria and like the the cafes of Vienna, there's a whole story about how like football, like beautiful football, was played in Austria in the early days of football, and now this is what we get now. This is the, what the, this is what it produces now.
0: <laughs> the early days of football like opens notes Patrick Berger. <laughs> <laughs> uh I'm sure there are other Austrian players that were big in the 90s that I just simply can't remember but I mean like right. to be honest like uh you know like w- w- what does anyone know about Austria anyway at the I end don't know. right it's just a sh- it's just a shite Germany. Which is just
1: a <laughs> no. Hold on. It's it's a sh- it's a shite Bavaria. That's even worse.
0: Oh wait wait wait. Let's go one further. It's just a shite Switzerland without the French part. Oh, oh damn. Oh. Wow. oh, the only thing worth a damn is the Sacher tort. <laughs> and even then, who puts apricot jam on a cake? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Disgusting. God, what is wrong? You? Perverts. Country full of perverts. Country so perverted they hired Ralph Ragnick to to coach their national team. That's that's how you know they're far gone. What if we um just simply gave Austria to Hungary? Yeah. Then n- not oh, reform Austria Hungary. J-, j just give Austria to Hungary and ARS. Can substitute. you imagine
1: RB Southburg having to play against like Ferencvaros and like whatever <laughs> <laughs> every week?
0: Oh, there's a funny thing, though, and I'm fairly certain there's been more relevant Hungarian football players and Austrian football players in the past maybe, what, four or five years, I want to say. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, Austria have David Alaba, but that's a technicality, right? right? Uh, <laughs> does,
1: does uh, does what's his name, Kirai count the goalkeeper that wears sweatpants, or is he too old?
0: Gabor Kirai, Kira, I mean, he's been around so long that I think he might as well, like, uh, fit multi-generations, right? And He can count All very... Right. Then you Here's a name
1: for you, uh, 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 Zoltan Gera.
0: Yeah, he's a West Brom legend,
1: <laughs> Fulham legend. W- played? I think he scored against Juventus in the in the Europa Cup run with Roy and uh, Clint Dempsey. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean there were a bunch of really good uh, Hungarian players called Zoltan back in the day, right? You also Zolt- so, so many Zoltans. You had Zoltan Stebler Stieb- Stieb- as well, I think. Who was a actually? I think he was the Hungarian lad at Bill wasn't he? Uh, Zoltan, I can't remember because he had Bill like Battle. a Basque mother or something or a Basque grandparent, which is how he was like. Yeah, <laughs> so that's why. Like when I was checking the Bill Bauer roster, one day I was like, "Didn't Zoltan
1: America? Stieber play for DC United?" Hold on. No, uh, wait.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might be
1: thinking of another Zoltan. Zoltan. Hmm. He did play for DC United. Are you thinking of Bishante Lizarazu? I can't remember. It might be
0: I I just remember that there was a Hungarian geyser at Athletic Club Bilbao, but I could be wrong.
1: Oh. Interesting.
0: We'll have to figure this out later. Let me let me do a quick one. <laughs> I think I may have actually just crossed my
1: like wires to be honest, because I don't really Maybe I'm, I'm trying cool. to think of like Bilbao players who weren't, because there was the Lizarazu who played for the French national team but also played for Bilbao.
0: I'm Eric Laporte, obviously. I'm Eric
1: Laporte plays for, yeah. Then, uh, uh,
0: was it, uh, do you they have a, what's his name? Uh, that guy, is it, is it, a, in? yeah, Iñaki in, in Williams.
1: Inyaki Williams. Yeah. Who, who I think plays for. Ghana I think or is that his brother? No I think that's Inyaki Blades. No, yeah
0: yeah he's he's Ghanaian because I think uh, oh, yeah. what his his he was born in Spain and Ghanaian parents. Yes. And he was born in Bilbao so um yes. he qualifies. And his name
1: is Inyaki, so he's just the most Basque person ever. You know what's the funny <laughs> thing about him? So so for the longest time the story was that his parents were from Liberia, not Ghana. Uh, but it revealed recently like a few years ago that he's actually Ghanaian because apparently uh, his parents basically crossed the Sahara on foot and went to uh, either Ceuta or Melilla, which is that part of Spain that's like on the coast of Morocco and basically crossed the border into it and when they got to Spain like the immigration person told them to say that they were from Liberia rather than Ghana because that's a more sympathetic because they could make the excuse that they were fleeing the civil war rather than like and that would be a more sympathetic story than it would have been uh, if they had just crossed illegally from Ghana. Anyway, borders aren't real, so...
0: Yeah, yeah and 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 honestly, I feel like uh, half of Spain belongs to Morocco anyway, so...
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they really should have given it back after the
0: World Cup. Revival Andalus, are we right? I don't give a fuck. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like pure shit, just want the caliphate back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mashallah. <laughs>
0: How dare how dare we deny ourselves the, uh, the 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 sovereignty of the caliphate in the middle of the holy month of Ramadan how fucking dare you
1: uh, astaghfirullah how fucking
0: dare you anyway <laughs> Um, <laughs> where were we before we got on this whole sidetrack we
1: were talking about austria we were talking about gerhard stuber we we're talking oh, and then, about- yeah
0: then i somehow invented a hungarian player that played for bilbao that doesn't actually exist, <laughs> that, doesn't actually so, exist. Uh, <laughs> that could be like a plot line for season four of ted lasso folks i'm just saying oh my god <laughs>
1: He's from Hungary. Well, consider me hungry too, because I could eat a ray horse or whatever the fuck they say on this show. I don't
0: I'm, know. I'm about to kill myself just hearing that. Thanks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm committing. I'm going on hunger strike. And to apologize for that line, my my dude, like
1: that's <laughs> just so fucked up. Man. <laughs> sorry. Hold on. The check is in the mail. I just wrote 12 new jokes for the show. Damn it. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> oh man. I'm sorry. I'm getting that peacock money. Uh, the or peacock, that apple tv money rather
0: the peacock money is in memory of grant wall but anyway oh my gosh oh dear
1: uh, oh man uh i don't know where do you want to go about the new york red bulls now i think we've, uh, we've you talked know, a lot I, I i i think like
0: i think like 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 let let let, let let's take a step back you know i think uh What I think we kind of let off with is the fact that the attack kind of looks like shit. But I mean, like, I think what we can definitively say about this club at this point, uh, if I'm being, you know, balanced about it, is that, yeah, I mean, the defensive structure looks pretty good. But we're not going to really go anywhere if the game plan is to basically try and eke out a 1-0 win every single time, right? Like, that's going to, that places an unbelievable amount of pressure on the back line. Right. Yeah. And it's one that we already kind of see, like how, um, you know how fragile that is, right? I mean, Reyes went out. Everything kind of, everything kind of went it tit, went tits up after that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> could have easily lost. I think to George Geo George Giacomakis could have easily had a hat trick. I think it was kind of yeah. It's kind of like my takeaway from that game. But uh, you know, I mean, uh, he missed two sitters. I would yeah, pretty say. much. Just kind of unfortunate, but you know, uh, yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, an apologies in advance, Alexander Zanopoulos for a distant Greek player,
1: nonetheless. So I- <laughs> <laughs> there was a dude. There was uh, there are field so like, there's like field level booths at Atlanta, and uh, there was a dude with a giant Greek flag waving it around. So I'm glad he had a great time at the game. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're just vibing, you know. Just vibing. Apparently, he so like I was staying. So Amanda and I went down. Uh, We stayed with a friend of hers, and apparently uh, one of her friends, who's Greek, goes to the Greek Orthodox Church in Atlanta, and apparently Yakumakis also goes there, but he's very, like, covert about it.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, like, how many Greek Orthodox people would you find in Atlanta, anyway? Like, uh, I I don't imagine the community is too big, but I I could be wrong.
1: Right, I I don't know how many churches there would be.
0: But but I will say if there's one thing that I that it seems like Greeks know how to do it's it's just vibe, dude. I mean, <laughs> uh, if yes. you ignore everything else that's going on in the country, it's pretty picturesque. I'd vibe too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just you, you sit on you sit on the sidewalk one day. You have you have. A, a, a coffee, have a nice lunch, and then uh, you throw tear gas canisters back to the police overnight, and then you 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 sleep for three hours, then you do it all over again.
0: That's my fucking anarchy. That's my fucking anarchy zone, baby. Exactly. We roll. Uh, oh. but yeah, I mean, like to, to to try and bring it back to team talk for a bit, right? I mean, I think. Uh, I'd be want to say that you know, I mean, the foundation. Like we've been saying this for years at this point, right? The foundation, the building blocks are there, right? It's, yeah. But three years into this project, various attackers have been thrown into it, and it all comes out looking like shit, right? At, at some point, I am probably going to say the manager just has no idea what he wants going forward. And on the topic of that, you know, I mean, like hell, let's just go through the list, right? I mean, like uh, what, yeah. Um, Big boon supposed to be off this offseason was the fact that we went out and signed, like, what, a whole new striking corpse and stuff like that. And what, Dante Van Zier can, can't get on the pitch. And to be honest, I mean, other than the second half against Columbus, it's looked a bit dicey, if I'm being quite honest with you. Right. Um, Elias Manuel is uh, likes to fucking run around a little bit. He's got a bit of a motor, but he gasses after, like, 40 or 50 50 minutes each time. Mm -hmm. And all of his bright moments have kind of come into, like, in individual moments rather than something systematic, right? It's a lot of busy running, I would probably say. And on top Mm -hmm. of that, like, I think his tactical understanding is, or his decision-making, I'd probably say, is not great. Um so I don't think he's the answer up top either. And then uh, what the manager just really can't help himself but uh just continuously keeps serving up Tom Barlow. <laughs> the it, 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 it's 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 kind of almost comical at this point, I feel. I mean like I, I really feel bad for the guy because I really do think the manager's kind of set him up to fail constantly, of being thrown into the Yeah. Theater. In situations yeah. where a team is what chasing a goal or something, we should really just be the striker that's there to close out games. And when we're already ahead, right? In a way,
1: yeah. Honestly, so gonna... like if it, if 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 we're looking at Tom, Bar- like it's you know what's funny It's like the best game that I saw Tom Barlow play this season was actually the game against Orlando. There were a lot of moments. I think we're we're lining up a two man front line. And I was noticing that like pretty much any time the the ball came to Tom Barlow, he didn't have to like trap it at all. He all he all he it seemed like the, the instruction all he had to do was first time touch it, knock it into space. And it kind of worked a bunch. There was like one good combination that led to like a one on one that Elias Manuel wasn't able to score from, unfortunately. But it looked like it's it like it looked like it was playing to Tom Barlow's strengths rather than like endlessly chasing balls all game long or like trying to contest headers. And I guess if I can compare him to like one bright spot in the attacking line, and that's, that's the addition of Corey Burke this season. Yeah. It's like Corey Burke, uh, the very, the shack meme of like, I, I'm, I apologize. I was not, I was unfamiliar with your game. It really does apply to me and Corey Burke. He's way more technical of a player than I imagined him to be. And it's actually quite interesting to watch, if we want to compare him to Tom Barlow, because Tom Barlow, I think, at his best, kind of operates on the periphery of play in that, like, he stretches the back line, he can hold off a defender, he can play with his back towards goal a bit, or, like, he's running in behind. And then Corey Burke, I don't know how else to describe it, he gets stuck in. Like, he can, he can control the ball on the bounce, he understands, you know, gets the ball into space. I think one of the goals... What is it... Which one? Which one was it? I think it was the goal against Atlanta too. No, not the goal against Atlanta. Uh, the goal that Lucinia scored against Columbus, right? That starts with a Corey Burke run through the middle, and he's he's impressive. Like he's so strong. Like there was the fifty-fifty ball that hit that the defender had a better angle, on. Corey Burke just found a way to get his body in between him and the defender and had the ball under control and then dribbled at the back line, and I'm like. Not even gonna be like, oh, we were missing this, but I'm like, oh man, a guy who a guy who can play soccer.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, uh, it, it, it's kind of kind of alarming, isn't it? Like, I mean, like uh, the, the 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 free agent signing who kind of came from somewhere else, like immediately comes in and looks like the best striker in the right. uh, in the league, and because it's for all the reasons like you said, right? I mean, like not only can he is he good in the air, and he can like you know bring the ball. He's the only striker that can bring the ball down and then do something with it, right? I mean, like, right. his touch is good. His uh, his uh, his uh, vision and awareness is good. I mean, like, some of the flicks that he was uh, launching, basically, right, bringing the ball down in the air, I mean, like, that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. We had somebody, like, latching on to some of those like that opened up a whole bunch of opportunities in various right. games that we watched, and you know, I mean, like I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be the if he, when he's fit, right? It, that he shouldn't be the first choice up top, whether that's in a four-two-three-one or four-triple-two, whatever the fuck we want to do, right? Because just on sheer merit, he's been the only bright spot in attack so far this season, right? Uh, we won the game against Columbus partially because of Corey Burke hero ball which is a sentence I never thought I would be saying. But yeah, I mean, like, here we are, right? That solo run through the middle of the pitch, we just said, f- it was basically like, you know, like, like you know, that part in Major League where Pedro Serrano is like, fuck you, Jobu. I do it myself, right? And Corey Burke is basically like, fuck you, Guard, I'm going to do it myself. And he more or less did. That was sick. That was sick, you know? I mean, like, uh, that, that, that
1: that was awesome, basically. Yeah, his um, runs into space, too, are also really good. Like, the off-ball movement is really impressive. Um, not that we're not getting there that. There were but so think, many think,
0: times, like, this past few games, where he's making a really good run to, like, what, the near post or something, and he's, like, begging for the ball to be put at his feet, right?
2: Yeah. So
0: he can send it back across goal, but nobody feeds it to him, right? Yeah. <laughs> And I think, like, it seems that, like, he's the only guy on the team right now that's taking chances in terms of, you know, movement and uh, where he should be in a way. Well, the rest of the team just seems very risk-averse, right? And it kind of comes back to this whole idea of they don't seem confident in their decisions going forward, right? Where they're mm-hmm. kind of too busy deliberating over what's the right decision to make rather than just kind of following those instincts, right? You see a guy running right. in a space, like, why not we, why not just try and find him and see what he can do, right? And I think that's kind of the difference between, like, the players that we've carried over to you know, someone like, say, Corey Burke, right? The okay. players that we brought over, they seem overcoached and they're hesitant and they're tentative. Well, Corey Brooks is playing his natural game. He's right. playing his natural game and he looks good. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like, would say that I would
1: say that Dante von Seer is also doing that, but like Gerhardt Struber doesn't seem to feel like he, he needs to play more than forty five minutes. And I guess the longer the more the more he gets acclimated to the to the great tactical system that Gerhard Struber is teaching these guys, the less capable he seems about like making good decisions on the field.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, honestly, like, uh, you know, I mean, uh, we've seen this song and dance with uh, big marquee players over the years, right? Fellas, f- the guy comes in, major. <laughs> but, 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 you know, it's even funnier. Like, Van Zier's whole situation is even funnier when you, like, remember in preseason that Struber basically says that he has confidence that he'll be able to integrate the squad quickly. And here we are, like, three or four games in the season, and he's barely finished, any, and he hasn't finished 90. He's always come off the bench. It's kind of hard to make an imprint on the match coming off the bench, I understand. But even then, like, uh, you know, I mean, like, if if I'm being honest with you, like, most of his best work seems to be done off the ball, because when he does get on the ball, it's kind of a black hole. And like, I mean, this first touch isn't great, as we've seen a number of times, Um He doesn't really create off the dribble, except for that one chance against Omir Fernandez. Like Mm. every time he's been subbed on, you know, I mean, like he's isolated out there in the wing, or like he's like I don't know, like just kind of not kind of made to try and force his way to find some space, and nobody seems to be able to find him. Like, and then when he does get a chance, you know, I mean, like he's scuffed a couple sitters at this point, hasn't he? I mean, I think if I'm being honest with you, I mean, it's kind of kind of kind of kind of sad and i mean like i don't want to knock the guy too hard but i don't really think that he's gonna solve any of this right i mean like i think the problems go so far beyond individual players at this point right (laughs) any striker you put into the
1: system is going to end up looking like shite you know yeah
0: (laughs) that's kind of probably.
1: yeah, we could have, like, prime Bradley Red Phillips in this team, and it's probably not going to make a difference. And I guess, to like, to the point about, like, Dante Von Seer, it's, it's, I'm not going to harp on him too much, because it just feels like, one, like, it, it's a weird situation to have to be brought into a game, right? Because when you start a game, you like, you have the opportunity to figure it out. You, you know, you, we go down in the seventh minute against Atlanta, and then you, the guys could, you know, try to solve the problem, and then Seer comes in the earliest. This is the earliest sub I think we've made for him. It was in the right at the start of the second half, and it's just like if you watch his highlights from like Union Saint-Gilloise, it's like the the best parts of his highlights. I think I've said this earlier this year, but like watching those highlights, I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, how often do the New York Red Bulls play like this? That's the problem. Like, like I'm like I could be like if, if you're. Imagine you're Dante Von Cyr, and you're just making the plays that you were used to making at, uh, you, at Union saint And unlike having a guy overlapping or combining, you have no, it, nothing in the space or like, like, or Kyle Duncan standing like 12 meters away from you when you should be a lot closer. And, and I don't know what he's supposed to do at this point. I think like you said earlier, like, I think we've sort of hamstrung this guy into thinking that he's going to save our season when, in fact, like it doesn't seem to be like anyone is the solution here as long yeah. as Gerhard Schubert telling the team what to do.
0: Yeah, like like Van Zier basically strikes me as a type of player that uh, will bang in a lot of goals that the system is functioning as it should, right? Right. I mean, I think uh, his best attributes are his uh, ability to move... is his off-ball movement. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, like, he does get off some really clean strikes like once he gets the shot off, right? I mean, the, the goal against Columbus was a pretty good finish on a half volley at the far post. But I mean, right. is, like that's been the, only how often
1: thing. do we do that?
0: Yeah, we don't, we don't do that. We don't even, we don't even do cutbacks consistently. You know, we, do, we, we don't, we don't do
1: get cutbacks to, consistently.
0: We don't even do cutbacks consistently. We don't get to the byline consistency. We don't send uh, you know, we don't send these penetrative balls into the box consistently. Like we don't send through balls consistently. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And on right. I mean, like, 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 and, and you know, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that's supposed to obscure, you know, I think, like, you know, maybe the weaker parts of his game, because like we mentioned, you know, his first touch isn't fantastic. You know, he has a really heavy one. He has a tendons, he, he, he He can't really he doesn't really have a lot of pace either from what I've seen, to be honest with you. Right, so he's not going to be able to like kind of just kind of streak into one-on-one situations and just demolish guys with like pure physical ability. Right, he's definitely a right. guy that thrives and like a bit like Thomas Muller, I suppose. I mean, I hate to use <laughs> the comparison, but it's the only one. Oh I no, he also wears the number thirteen. what, yeah. have, you, what have you done, Lens? <laughs> I'm trying every. Th- I'm tr- there's every fiber in my being is trying to prevent me from saying the word Raumdeuter. Oh, shit. Oh, God. Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. Bye. Uh, <clears throat> this podcast is cooked, bro. I mean, like, I can't believe that. We've been forced to talk about all this egregious shit. They've, we've talked about Austria. We've talked about <laughs> Austrian football clubs. We've used German football terms. I've had to name drop Thomas Muller. Like, what next? <sighs> what next? What next? I don't know. Oh, you know what next? England 5, Germany 1. Ah, da, 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 da. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> you went uh, in the opposite direction there.
0: Yeah, that song goes so hard, by the way. Like, RIP. <laughs> uh, imagine,
1: imagine, imagine Emil Heskey in this team, though.
0: Well, you know, we joke. Wait,
1: no, oh, that wasn't a joke. Bill <laughs> Heskey was great. Yeah, it was yeah, because that'd be awesome.
0: <laughs> that would be awesome. It would, it would be awesome when Heskey holds up the ball and uh, basically nobody runs off of him. <laughs> no, uh, awesome, awesome stuff like that. But yeah, you know, I mean, uh, you know, that's the thing, right? I mean, uh, like we said, right? I mean, you could probably put anyone in this team right now. And just because of the complete lack of ideas, I suppose, or the lack of confidence and the ability to execute, all of it points to an overcoached squad. And somehow we can look overcoached and aimless. I don't know. I feel like at some point you just kind of have to just say, fuck it. And just, you know, I mean, hit a hard reset. New coach, hopefully, comes in, cleans this all up. You know, I don't know. I don't know at this point. Really, I can't. I, I, I think a loss at home to San Jose would be really when, you know, I think uh, the panic button gets hit. I think we can all agree, yeah. right? That's not going to look good. Um, but then I think the question would be, as in everyone's minds, is then well, who do you go to after that, right? I mean, like, the continuity hire was a bust, this uh, Red Bull Rolodex guy who seemed to be was like, being groomed for a job higher up in the Red Bull hierarchy. He seems like a bust, you know. Like, who's next? Like, I mean, I've heard Ralph Hassenhood will be thrown around, but for fuck's sake. Like, we really want this club to be a rehab project for yet another Red Bull Global fail, son. Like,
1: right.
0: I don't know. That's the, that, that's the kind of stuff we're putting forward, Then I think it's just kind of comical, really. I think, like, I want no part of it. <laughs> I want no part of it. If we're just going to be doing retreads and all that stuff, like, we're, like we're fucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> the kinds of ideas and innovation that got Schalke relegated, basically, right? I mean, like, I'm the sporting director. That's basically the best that we can do of a manager. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't even know if we can really take a stab at that,
1: to be honest with you. Imagine imagine the, con- like the possibility of, like, Gerhard Stuber being the first manager in, what, over a decade to fail making the playoffs at the New York Red Bulls, and then he fucks off to Austria to take the the, the Salzburg job, and then that'd be the first, what, in, like, 20 years that they don't win the league? That'd be really funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be really funny.
0: That would be really funny, actually. <laughs> I mean, like, Salzburg is Tutorial Island, for, for your side, isn't it? You know, like
2: Tutorial Island. Uh, I, I don't
0: I don't know how else he could possibly put it. I mean like the, the the club just I don't know. To fail like winning the league with Salzburg who outspend and like out yeah basically outspend everyone else in the Austrian league, like you have to really be trying, I think you know like you have to act be actively sabotaging the team like you're you're opening your football manager like cheat like your football manager third party application and like hitting morale low setting morale to low <laughs> putting injury like seven month long injuries and like all oh, your best players right just to give yourself a challenge or something um yeah that's the thing so that's kind of where we are. I suppose, uh, should we try and issue stocks to players just so that we can uh, zone in on the, I suppose, uh, good and bad individual contributions of uh, the people on this team? And I think I'll probably issue the, 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 the three, the players that caught my eye as positives, I think through the opening six games of the season, I would probably say are Cameron Harper. Mm-hmm. Right? Who has looked really good out there at fullback on the right, right side. Not just on the attacking side, but on the defensive side as well, right? I mean, yeah. it's best illustrated by the fact that every time Kyle Duncan comes on, like, suddenly that flank just opens up completely because he's all over the place positionally, you know? Yeah. And I think uh, also going to give a shout out to Andres Reyes, you know, who has uh, been the big boss at the back. Uh, i don't think he's long for this club to be honest with you he's too good
1: <laughs> right yeah he,
0: he he deserves better than being like you know buried under Hard to be honest with you so uh I hope he gets uh hope he gets a move soon i think he'll be really good for his career and he deserves it right I mean like I think uh, when you rem- remember where he was when he uh, first getting started with the team and he scored the goal and then picked up the red card in the same half right and then you had all these people coming out the woodwork being like he's awful he's terrible he'll never be disciplined enough to be a good contributor for this team he's not a fit Mm -hmm. for the system yada 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 and then you fast forward two or three years and he's like the best he's like "By, by some distance the best defender at the club yeah right it's pretty great you know i'm pretty happy for him um But, you know, you can't give Kevin Thelwell signings credit. (laughs) But anyway, um, so Cameron Harper, um, Andres Reyes. um, Then I'm also going to give props, I think, to uh, Corey Burke, obviously, who I think has been a sneaky good pickup for not even really sneaky good. I mean, like, I I genuinely do think he's, like, the best striker at the club right now. (laughs) (laughs) Which, oh, boy. Um, really tells you something. And then, uh, what is it? I will probably give... I have like what I've seen from Frankie Amaya on the defensive side of things. He's really putting in a shift every single game. You know, it's uh good base to work off of, right? It's just that yeah. all the players in front of him have been uh, varying degrees of bad to shit. Really, honestly, like, uh, and on the topic of that, um, Lukinas has been a passenger most of the, yeah, most of the season. Yeah. I think, um, I'm going to issue a stock down as well to, uh, I think the strikers collectively, other than Corey Burke. <laughs> uh, let's see, I'm probably also going to issue a stock down to, I mean, like, god i mean (laughs) Uh, i have to i have to say though i mean like i like the, the the big reason at the end of the day why why it just looks so poor i mean like i can't look beyond the manager to be honest with you i mean like yeah individually players some players don't look great but i mean like 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 all of it is—it's systemic at this point, isn't it? Like, I mean, I'm just finding—I'm just running out of new ways to say that it's the fucking manager. So you know, yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna like dump all of my like negative points to like getting this fucking fraud out of the head coach position. It's you know, bald like, fraud. This this Austrian Armis and I feel like oh I'm my god, doing a discredit to Chris Armis at this point.
1: Honestly, I think it would. Yeah. I think now that now that now that Frank Lampard has just been given another Chelsea job, I feel like the term "failing up" can't really apply to Chris Armis. To because to, to, so, to Chris Armas's credit, he lost his job as a head coach and basically took a step back to be an assistant, which he feel which you know seems like is more of his skill set. So I think that's that that's that's a more that's a much healthier move than whatever yeah. it is that yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no doubt. And I mean, it's also been three years since Armis got fired, you know. I really don't really think there's any need for for him to occupy anyone's brain space anymore. You know, I mean, right. like, he, he's been irrelevant for such a long time, right? He bombed out of his last head coach job as well, and now he's just kind of bouncing around assistant gigs. Just fine. You know, just let the guy live his life. Like, he's not managing
1: your team anymore, right? Right. <laughs> It's hard enough driving from Long Island to Manchester or Leeds, like he's been doing for the past two years, as far as I know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know what the problem is that those places don't have banging pizza like they do in Long Island, you know. And uh, if I I had to choose between the two, I'd probably choose Long Island over Manchester or Leeds as well. (laughs) Maybe maybe a controversial opinion. Who knows? I don't know, but that's. I went to Port Washington once because I had a friend who lived out there, and actually, it's really nice. I gotta say. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can see why. Like, uh, I can I can see why uh, you know uh, you, you, you'd feel enamored with the place if you were you know from a certain part of Long Island, I suppose. Because right. it, it kind of feels like New England without the Massachusetts people from Massachusetts. Oh, <laughs> which is nice. You get the same as sea, sea, sea town vibes, you know. You get the really nice, uh, quaint, like a uh, New Englandy, like seascapes, and you don't have to deal with a gut hen. You don't have to deal with mass holes. It's exactly. all it's all Mets and Yankees hats here, folks. Exactly. <laughs> That's cool of me. Yeah. <laughs> so I think those are my. Actually, might just. I mean, I'm gonna knock the goalkeeper a little bit just for that last game. You know, mm. I mean, I thought that rebound was kind of kind of unfortunate. Yeah. Made up for it that really good save at the end, but oh no, man. You can't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it sucks that that was the deciding factor in the end. Right? Because, luckily, yeah. like, a lot of these mistakes are amplified, right? A lot of these small, minute things are amplified just because we know that goals seem really, really hard to come by. Right? I mean, like, it wouldn't be an issue if we were kind of creating chances freely because we know, like, oh, okay, we gave up one, but at least when they, there's a chance that we can score three right yeah but no i mean every time the opposition scores against us nowadays nowadays right it's like it's like fuck that's it <laughs> we're not coming back yeah. and we're it's only one nil why is it out the oh. way for a game that's only one nil <laughs> like
1: yeah 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 and like we're six games in now and i feel like you you can start to look at the underlying numbers and it's like if you look at um if you look at the like the xg so far like cumulatively we're like underperforming our like our xg for these 6 games has been like 6.5 and we've scored 4 so we're underperforming that which makes sense based on the numbers but also looking at the game with your eyeballs um and then our goals against we're actually we're about performing about where it's 5.2 we've conceded 5 so that's about what what is what we're, we're we're supposed to be getting.
0: Yeah, and I mean if you look at the averages there, right? It basically means we expect to, con- to we expect to score one goal, we expect to concede one goal per game. So basically the right. baseline assuming that you fulfill all of that is like a 1-1 draw each time. Right? We we're, we're, we're not even like
1: putting ourselves in positions to win games. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean there once was a manager who said that uh he said, uh look, if we would ideally we would win every game one nil and win the league, we would be undefeated thirty-eight games, we'd only have we'd only score thirty-eight goals, but we would still win <laughs> we would still win the league. And that was Fabio Capello. I don't think that Gerhard Struber can start uh, talking brazy like that.
0: Yeah, because he's supposed to be a he's supposed to be a Ragnick uh, acolyte, not a Aregosachi acolyte, you know. And I oh mean like God. Cate, like if you devise Catenaccio, you have that clout, right? I'm, I'm sorry to say. I mean, like it's 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 a it's a it's a timeless system.
1: Yeah. Like it's just. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> I've been reading. I've been reading the Zonal Marking book by Michael Cox. I had read, yeah. and one of the chapters I finished was the one about Italy. And when he's, what was it about? Italian soccer is that like the identity of Italian soccer is it's less about de- defense, but it's more just like being able to nullify your opponent before like implementing like your identity on the game which is an interesting point um but ironically like the best italian teams that exemplify the italian game also had really good players it's just like it's just a matter of like curtailing their impulses it's like a great like uh juventus that when they had zinedine zidane right versus yeah. like juventus when they let uh, alessandro del piero do the cooking or whatever uh
0: yeah, and yeah. you know I mean, like, to that point as well, right? I mean, like, it's a perfect illustration. This has nothing to do with Red Bull, by the way, so we're probably going to go into another diatribe here. Right. But <laughs> it has to do, basically, at this tenet, right? That what makes Italian defenders so good is that you don't realize that they're defending half the time, right? Anytime right. you see someone making that game-busting tackle, it actually means that there's been a breakdown somewhere, and that's not good, right? Maldini, for all intents and purposes, you know, was a fantastic individual defender, but what made him so great is that he never, is that he felt that that those situations were generally quite few and far between, right? Because he was already tidying everything up before he even had to, you know, slide in or do an emergency or do emergency defending. And that's sort of like, and that's where a lot of the elegance of that is derived from basically, right? Like being able to nullify the opposition through really strict zonal and disciplined play, right? And then giving using that as the platform to let your star player shine. Right? I mean it's sort of been the sort of been the sort of been the sort of been the, sort of been the modus operandi for so many of the great Italian teams over there over the decades. Right? And mm-hmm. I think that's why those guys become like larger than life figures in a way. Right? I mean <laughs> it's it's not to say that, like uh, it's not to say that, like uh, it, it's uh, what is it entirely heroable, but it definitely is. You know, having a talisman like that definitely kind of does a lot of the heavy lifting and attack, right? And it's right. he has this great foundation of the team behind him to build upon, right? Knowing that he has a canvas, he has a blank canvas, but obviously back in the day as well. I mean, like uh, you know, it wasn't as systemized as it is now right it wasn't as optimized in terms of zonal play so you had a lot of great moments to just kind of improvise and trust your natural natural instincts as a player to carve open or try something right and that's what made Baggio for example so fantastic but you don't really have that nowadays right because I think it's supposed to be a lot more Systematic in nature, like I mentioned, like there are correct decisions and there are wrong decisions that are drilled into players ever since they come up in the academy, and that's why greatness nowadays is measured by like you know like how high your passing, how high your passing percentage is or something, I suppose. But you know, there, there's a certain joy that I get from watching, you know, the likes of you know Roberto Baggio or Alessandro Del Piero, that I don't get from Kevin De Bruyne, for example. Oh. <laughs> That's sort of kind of what I'm getting at. I think, you know, the vibe that I'm going for here, right? Yeah. (laughs) Kevin De Bruyne is the exact type of player that I would pinpoint to when I say that this is everything wrong with modern football.
1: If I'm being really, really (laughs) gross. Oh man. (laughs) But yeah, um, that's, that's, I think, I think Kevin De Bruyne would have been really good back then, but I think he's just hamstrung by that. There's a great, uh, what was this? It's a story that I read in that book that, uh, is when Carlo Ancelotti was manager of um, of of Juventus when he, when he was there, and he ha- he's a, a Saki acolyte, so he likes to play with the four four two, the kind of like the empty bucket type formation. So it's like yeah. it's, it's not as, so like he plays with like two, not two tens, but like he no player occupying that central space really, and he didn't play Baggio all that much. Because he didn't want to, like, have a number 10 or, like, a tricortista, as that you would call it. Uh, yeah. And that's, like, he says it. If you ask him now, he says that's, like, one of the regrets of his career. That he probably... He learned his lesson that he would say, like, actually, I would... I probably should have, like, let Baggio cook more. And I think he had learned his lesson to, by the point that he had Zidane in the team. was like, okay, I'll let you do your thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, those are good times. I miss A personally. I
1: don't know about you, but... It's it's pretty good now. The Napoli team now is actually very fun to watch. Oh, yeah, that, that, I think that, that, that there's something good. there's something very similar to what you're talking about that Sp- like Spalletti has them doing. I'm not. I don't watch them week in week out, but there's something a little more um, natural or instinctual about the team that like it kind of builds itself out in possession through combinations and one twos and like obviously you have like Victor Osimen leading the line, scoring a ton of goals. And then you have Kavicha Cavara-Skelia, Scalia, is just like, he reminds me so much of, like, Kaka, the way he plays. Like, he has these, like, long strides, and he's almost, like, quicker with the ball than without the ball, and he plays with his socks rolled down, and I'm like, damn.
0: <laughs> Bringing back the old school. I'm looking at the Serie A table right now, and this is how football should be, other than maybe perhaps Lazio being in second place. But yeah, let's, let's see what what
1: the hell's going on there.
0: Napoli running away at the league, which is great because I feel like this has been a long time coming for him. Milan and Inter in third and fourth place. That's great. And Juventus in seventh outside the Champions League spots. That's awesome. That's personally
1: awesome. it should be lower, but you know, yeah, maybe you add, have everything. like yeah, you
0: got you gotta add like maybe twenty additional uh uh, 20 additional parts at the table. So, like, they're in 27th place in the 20-team league. <laughs> Not a big idea. Uh, Serie died the moment Juventus came up, by the way. Uh, uh, oh, after Kipoli, I'm sorry to say. Um, and then, like, you look at uh, the, the bottom half of the table and it's like, what is going on here? Like, all these teams, there are a lot of teams that shouldn't be here. It was this Monza, Sassuolo... What the fuck? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Verona is uh, not Kievo Verona, right? This is uh, a that's class. Hellas Verona, Hellas Verona. That's right, yeah. Oh no,
1: Sampdoria in nineteenth place. I do not like that.
0: Oh, actually, yeah. R.I.P., dude.
1: Unless, unless that means that. Uh... We'd get uh, Sampdoria, Genoa in Serie B next season, which would be.
0: What happened cool. to Cagliari? I miss them. <laughs>
1: uh, I'm pretty sure they got relegated. I don't know. Yeah,
0: I'm no, not, they they they're not, they not are here. What Atalanta at sixth place? I remember when they were bottom feeders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting times. I mean, yes, yeah, Serie a, I hope uh, Napoli do it. It's been a long time coming. it It'd be the first one, first league win since what Diego did it right? I think, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. I'm rooting for him. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you Do you want to give your stocks, maybe? Like, what's oh, caught your eye, perhaps? Let's uh, round out the episode with that, maybe. Alright.
1: Uh, I would take your point that, like, it's hard to give stocks down in relation to, like, how... Like, the, the players are victims of circumstances. I generally agree with your stock... Your stocks up. Um... I don't know, I don't know who additionally I would give this to because like we're at this weird stage where it's like guys are out. Like we can talk about like the next game coming up and like where injuries are coming out of now, who's gonna be missing. But Harper Reyes, Amaya, Burke, I think that's pretty much good. Yeah.
0: I don't know. But all right. I think it's telling to me basically that we're at this point because, like, 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 collectively, like, it's partially because like those guys are the only players, I suppose, who kind of, you know, try something different. I'd probably say Burke and Harper. I would say, but you know, I mean, like. Maybe I don't know. Like I'm Harper sure.
1: specifically, if you remember, like remember that game like two seasons ago against New England in New England, where like Harper gets subbed in, he plays like ten minutes and he gets taken out, yeah. and from that point, he's like now really should be the mainstay at at a position that isn't is wasn't originally his that he's basically had to learn on the job, and
0: yeah, he got the uh, he got the ashisho aoi treatment bits. Shout out to those who uh, read Aouashi or watch the first season. But yeah, that's basically kind of what happened, right? I mean, an attacking player gets shunted into fullback, has a bit of a nightmare trying to learn the defensive motions, but you know, I mean, put his head down, worked hard on it two years later, he's out here looking like he should be the first choice at right back. You know, I mean, like, what's nice is that like, uh, you know, I mean, he can still flash that really good dribbling ability. Like, I think some of the only moments we've gotten at the byline have been him in isolation. Out there on the right, right, and just beating players with some really nice nifty little move that cuts cuts to the right side. It's just that I think uh, it hasn't really um, amounted to anything. But it obviously, isn't helped by the fact that like nobody seems to really be interested in making secondary runs on this team at all, right? I think next game, uh, one thing that you should definitely look out for is keep an eye on the players off the ball. And you'll notice just how many of them are just kind of standing around waiting for something to happen, rather than forcing the issue by like making a darting run here and there or somewhere, right? Or feeding yourself into possession. And that's sort of been a bit of a tragedy, I think. <laughs> we had an element of that early on in 2021, right? When like someone like Casares or something would be a late would be late arriving into the box to feed on a cutback from the byline, and they just fire it in from from the top of the 18. Like oh, is, we're feasting on that shit back in the day. Now we yeah. don't even have that, right? Like I think a lot of our goals last year would be kind of becoming Lewis Morgan has to bring the ball down and it knocks it around one or two people and then just take a speculative shot from 25 yards to find the bottom corner. Right. And then you do everything I just mentioned, but with the left foot instead, and that's Lukinius' hero ball through <laughs> the early half of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> And now here we are. We don't even have either of those, so we don't
1: have either of those. We don't have the yeah. four triple two. We've abandoned another formation at the beginning of the season,
0: only to revive it for a half. Right. <laughs> and and that sucks shit as well. I mean, like on a topic of it, on the topic of this, like the four triple two is piss poor, man. I mean, like <laughs> <laughs> I I hate four triple two. It just doesn't look it- good. I don't know. It, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, like, you can run out any formation, like we said, with these instructions, and it will just end up looking like shit, right? So, right, like, whatever at this point. I think, we're, I think like I said, we're just finding out a new way. We're just running out of new ways on this podcast to say it's the fucking manager, right? And I feel, I feel like if uh, – actually, no, I won't be able to record next week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, basically, like, if – I'm just not expecting anything but more of the same against San Jose, right? I mean, like, it's, it's, get, it's It feels like an absolute struggle to watch our games, to be honest with you, because we, we don't suffocate people with the press anymore. And when we win the ball back, like, we, we're so low on ideas in general. Like, just lumping it forward, no direction as quickly as possible. Hoping that we can, I don't know, create something 50 50 off the press. But even then, players, teams are so, like, want to expect. Like, teams are so, like, expectant of what they see when they come up against us nowadays that they can just kind of, you know, knock two or three tidy passes out and they're suddenly bypassing, like, the first pressing line, right? Like, we're kind of going to like this whole issue again that we don't, we don't press forward as a unit. We're not closing down... We're not closing down passing lanes as much as we used to. And even if it was a shift, you know, to uh, pressing traps deeper in the pitch we're not really setting ourselves up for glory with that either, right? I mean, like, um, positionally, we do not compress the center at the pitch, and that's why all these channels in the middle are opening up. I mean, it's kind of what it is to me. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Would a a loss at home against San Jose kind of uh, be where we throw our hands up, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, I feel like this is one of those games where, it's a combination, because, like, this is a Western Conference opponent, and while it would affect her, where we are in the standings, it's just, like, a team we don't see that often. But, I, I mean, we're just at the point now, I think, if we lose on Saturday, it's just, like, we could very well just start doing Struber out-chance. It's, like, we were at this point, was it not last season, but the season beforehand, where we, like, lost at home to Minnesota, and it's the same vibe again. we just, like, nothing's... We're not, not getting anything out of the game. The team... Felt like it's like one of those games where like the team from the Western Conference just shows up and be like, Well guys, don't don't get your boots too dirty. We're gonna lose tonight and then we'll just pack it up and go home. And it's like it doesn't it doesn't seem to be like that. They'll go they'll go up a goal early and think, Wait, actually, we can we could we can nick three points here. Uh, oh boy.
0: Yeah. And you don't even have the nice uh, the nice brevities of a U.S. Open Cup run to kind of take the bitter taste out of your mouth. That right? We just kind
1: of start the season just absolutely flat. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not great that like this start, and then we just basically have to be perfect in the back end of the season, which would be nice. But there's no way to like. There's no there's no reason to think that this this wouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, and I, like, I don't know what to expect from this San Jose team. You could tell me Shea Salinas still plays for this team, and I would believe you. He doesn't, but I had you on the ropes there.
0: Uh, I think Chris Kowalowski is still around somehow. Oh, nice.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, who was it? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Andrew Tarbell.
1: <laughs> uh, Tommy Thompson is still on that team, though, believe it or uh, not.
0: Imagine my surprise when they actually had a guy called JT JT on your he's team. He's still there. Yeah, no, no, no. It's what I mean is that like uh, that's <laughs> that's like a chat ChatGPT uh, player name right there, JT Martiankowski. No, and you know what's
1: funny is that when he's played against us before, and the the ma- the announcer would be like Marchinkowski and I thought, like I thought he'd said Mark Shatkowski, and I'm like, what? He's back. <laughs> he's back. <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm just looking through the roster right now, and this is a really solid collection of hashtag MLS guys. You know, I mean, like yeah. Jeremy Ebobisse. Uh, <laughs> holy fuck! <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome right there. Wait, let me let, let's close out the episode of a quick run through of uh, remembering guys in the San Jose roster. I didn't realize Luchi Gonzalez is your head coach now. I just assumed. Luchi Gonzalez, out.
1: former. Miami soccer guy. Luke I
0: just G. assumed Almeida was still slumming it somehow. Right.
1: Oh, they wow. Didn't fire
0: him. Dude, Jackson. Wow, Yule. Jonathan
1: Mensah? Yeah, Jonathan Mensah.
0: Mensa. Oh, their DPs are Carlos Grueso and Christian Espinosa. Wow, Jesus. I didn't know that
1: Grueso had went over there. How old Neither did He's I. not that. Neither he went from I. Dallas. Oh, from Augsburg. Yeah, right. He was at Augsburg, and then they brought him back. MLS. I still remember
0: him at, at Dallas, obviously. Like he's a yeah, 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 yeah. In my brain. Like, uh, yeah. Let's see. Wow. Um, yeah. Miguel
1: Trauco, yeah. He I, I only remember him at San Etienne.
0: Wow. Jackson Yule, who was Cade Cowell before Cade Cowell, and now there's Cade Cowell. And I've said Cade now Cowell Cade a whole Cade bunch Cowell. of times. Like uh, oh Jamiro Montero is <laughs> is another name.
1: <laughs> uh I think he's injured, because otherwise if I have to watch him play. Against us, I would be very upset. He's remember, an annoying player to watch. Yeah, remember
0: when he shot on us like a couple of years ago? Like that was kind of annoying. At Philly,
1: God damn. Yeah, man. I
0: hated it. I hated it so much. I wanted to yeah. cry. Actually, <laughs> surprisingly, other than that, I mean, they have a Brazilian guy called Nathan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, will be awesome in like five years when you start seeing Brazilian guys called Paxton. Paxton. Or, like, Paxton. Paxton. Ah, yeah, Paxton Paxton de, Lim- Paxton, de, Lima. Paxton, de Lima. Paxton de Lima Paxton de Lima what is it uh... <laughs> try, try, try to couple together like a whole bunch of like Brazilian last names but it's not really coming off right now because I almost said Nazario and that'd be too close to like Ronaldo Nazario you know
1: I would be like Paxton Oliveira dos Santos Almeida yeah 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 yeah
0: exactly <laughs> Junior.
1: Junior.
0: <laughs> so he'd be like pax, pax, Paxton Nino <laughs> It's
1: a Brazilian guy named Braden. Yeah,
0: Brayden, Brayden Nino
1: Braden Givanildo G <laughs> De Lima de Jesus. De Lima de Jesus. Uh, Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> Schneider Lima Oliveira.
0: Schneider Lima Oliveira, and then you throw in a random Italian last name there with his uh, <laughs> with his uh, best friend uh, Braxton Kobayashi Lima. Because. <laughs> <laughs> You absolutely know the, 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 there's somebody out there with that name in Brazil right now. <laughs> Braxton Kobayashi de Lima, fuck me. I think I should I I think I should pull from there cuz I don't think we're getting we're, we're going to get from this. I believe I just made my co-host suffocate or something.
1: Uh, it, it's it's like uh uh oh man uh, Joao, Br- Braden, uh, <laughs> Toriyama. Oh God, <laughs> G- Gonzalez.
0: And he's somehow related to uh, the guy who uh, created Astro Boy. Somehow.
1: Oh my God.
0: That really tie everything together.
1: And I think he that's was a- trained by Kazumiura <laughs>
0: I think that's a pretty good place to end it off. I think like, I think that it's not going to get much higher than that. Uh, right. We can't get much higher. So yeah. Um, Let's hope for the best against San Jose on a scale of one to 10. Are you optimistic at all?
1: Uh, I have to be. Cause now I live walking distance from the stadium. So. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll eat a quick check cookie in your honor.
0: Yeah, no, those are the best, by the way. Like, shout out the quick check, always coming in clutch with like the two a.m. soda and cookie runs for coming off the pass train at two a.m. <laughs> That's the good shit right there. Uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, shout out to the parking lot Wendy's for always giving me diarrhea with the spicy nuggets. <laughs> and, uh, shout out with shout out to Ciabra's supermarket with like the really awesome deals on picanha that I'd get for like oh, six yeah. bucks. Like uh I was kind of overdosing on that at one point and I know I really shouldn't have. But that was that was the good stuff for six bucks. Shout out to Ciabra's uh yeah. That's all I got. Uh Juan, thank you so much for your time. Of course. Um yeah, and uh, MetrofanTV TV saying Peace out. We'll see you on Saturday. Uh, and until then, take care of yourselves and go feed yourselves. I stole that from some YouTuber. I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're gonna play football, football. Bye-bye.
2: Cause we're gonna play football talking
0: about ba-